Uh, hi, everybody. David Knorr. I uh, want to welcome you to uh, another episode of our RevOps. I'm joined by my business partner, Jen uh, Kortz. Hello, Jen. Good morning, Knorr. It is nice to see you. I'm excited about our topic today, which for our audience, we're going to talk about CRM as this central hub, this critical hub. And if you think about the customer lifecycle journey, if you think about world-class organizations, it's never sequential. It's never we're going to market to them, sell to them, and as soon as they buy, we're done. Increasingly, you're seeing this almost like infinity loop. Uh, if you think of recurring revenue models, if you think of upsell, cross-sell opportunities. So I've always said the relationships start after the sale. And I'm really excited, Jen, for us to talk through and talk about this idea of um, this CRM as this absolute central hub to really that life cycle success, really that journey success, if you will. Um, so for our audience, we're live on, I think, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and would love to have you jump in with us. Questions, comments. Uh, this is for you. We also uh, share uh, these insights as a podcast, so make sure you subscribe to Rev Up wherever you listen to your podcast. So I think, Jen, you're going to kick us off. Yeah, absolutely. So, Noor, you've been a student of business relationships for the past 20 years or so. What is your perception of a CRM system? Uh, I got to tell you, early on, and, and I was, uh, I've been, let's see, I was using ACT. You remember ACT? Right. Yes. <laughs> you remember act so I was, you know, and I'm I'm dating myself for our audience. I, I think I was using index cards for a while. And then and then act came about and we started capture customer. It was really kind of cool and interesting. And then and then this notion of don't download software. And most of our audience knows the logo was software with a red line through it. And it was all about this cloud. And whoa, wait a minute. Do I really want to put all my customer information somewhere that's not on my own computer? And so all of that to say, regrettably, for a long time, it was perceived to be a necessary evil. I had to have a CRM system to kind of do my job. And what I don't want to do is be in the data entry business, particularly if I'm in sales. And yet we've seen it come a long way in its maturity to equate, if not be even more valuable than an enterprise, an ERP system, or certainly as one of the backbones of every organization, which is a central hub for its customers. So that's kind of what I've, what I've seen. Um, how about you? Why do you believe it's so central to the whole revenue engine that we often talk about? In my opinion, the CRM system needs to be the central spoke or part of the pairing between your email marketing system and your CRM system, because if it doesn't exist in that system, then it doesn't exist at all. And usually your CRM system is the source of all your reports and dashboards. And so if the activities aren't tracked there, then you're not able to report on them and you're not able to get those insights that you would otherwise be able to make decisions on. So my question of you is then how do you balance the need for the activities to be captured? And for our audience, uh, full disclosure, right? This is a change in behavior because, you, you know, old school, I'm a lot comfortable, you know, more comfortable capturing it on these things. And 
spreadsheets and emails, a lot of these other environments versus a central repository. So, Jen, how do you balance that? How do you balance the need for every individual who's being asked to do more with less and now a need to make sure I capture every activity in a central repository? One of the best ways to do that and make sure it's as seamless as possible for the end user is to make sure that the systems that they're working in are all connected together in a two-way fashion. So the information both pushes and receives and the activities that the salesperson is doing are automatically recorded. So they're not needing to log a whole bunch of things to your point earlier. They're not in the data entry business, but if they see something that's wrong, maybe a misspelling or a capitalization or adding more detail to that person's record, then they can do that as an optional add on to enhance the overall profile of the person, but it's not a, 20 steps to make a contact or they send an email and there's 30 things they have to go do. So make it as simple as possible and automate a lot of that in the background. That sounds, that sounds great. And, and I think you said, you know, a lot of the dashboarding, a lot of the reporting, it comes out of Salesforce. It, it, it makes a ton of sense that if we don't capture the details the team is going to be less confident in the accuracy of that information and therefore accuracy of the report. So no, 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 that's not really what happened or no, 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 that's not, we're on our fifth touch with that, with that individual, not our first one. Uh, so it's critical that, that, uh, that, uh, you know, we do capture this on a central place. Well, and you work a lot with CROs. So how would you, how do they position their CRM system strategically within their organization? I, I think they, um, I was talking to another colleague and friend. I, I think um, CROs weren't a thing when I was selling. So we had VPs of sales or we had director of sales. And I think the evolution of the role is a testament to the sophistication of the ecosystem. And I think the more astute CROs realize that they're increasingly digital CROs. And I think they realize to be an effective digital leader, digital executive, you have to have data. You have to have data you believe in. You have to have data you have confidence in. You have to have data that is representative of your leadership, of your team's efforts, of your team's progression of those relationships along a continuum. So CRM seems to be, as you mentioned, that one version of the truth, that if I'm going to generate a, an opportunity report, I'm going to generate a pipeline, a forecast to share with my peers, I better have confidence that A, my team is using it, B, the data is accurate, C, we can report on the right activities and D, it's the one version of the truth. I'm, I'm chuckling because um, you and I have met CROs who get their report without naming names from just <laughs> five, six different sources, right? I need this spreadsheet and that form <laughs> and that data to get one version of what's really happening. And it's just indicative of that CRM not being as 
efficient, effective, whether it's the process capabilities or the tool, which are the things we look into, of is really as as uh, serving them as well as they could. Well, so, and, sorry, yeah. one of those things that also matters, the data to be accurate needs to be consistent across all parties. So salespeople have a lot of experience in how they sell and that selling motion and they each have their own style. That doesn't help when you're trying to repeat or create a repeatable, scalable process. So every critical touch point needs to be tracked in the same way. You need to know how many meetings, number of calls, all of those things. So you can see large enterprise needs three calls, two demos, and four emails versus a small business. It's a demo and an email and they're done. But if you don't have that consistency of touch points and tracking, then you're going to have to dig into the details of every single opportunity to find out why it works. And that's not scalable in any regard. And talk about why is that important? Why, why do I need that level of consistency? Is it so I can extract insights to then act on it of why is it taking us four touches versus two to move that along their buying journey? Yes, actually. I had a call earlier today with a, a CEO and they currently don't have the capability of knowing where people are falling out of the pipeline. Is it after the first meeting? Is it after the demo? Is it a product problem? Is it where along the journey is the problem? And so without that consistency of data and consistency of touch points, you can't really identify where the problem is. It may be, oh, Bob's just a better talker versus Joe does a better demo. And like, those are the two differences, but that again is not scalable. So the touch points and the critical conversion points need to be decided upfront. They can change over time, but they need to be decided. And then you track conversion based off of that. So talk about that. What are the big CRM players? Who are they? And really what sets them apart of one versus the other? Because there's no shortage of, of different players that Spain, uh, play in this space. Yeah, so the big one that most most organizations are using because they're they're the big gorilla in the space is Salesforce. They have spent a lot of time developing their product. They are in the cloud. They're kind of every other system agnostic, so they can play well with all other systems. Other ones in the space, HubSpot has a, a CRM system built into their marketing system. Uh, Zoho has one. There's Sugar CRM. Zendesk has even tried to create some level of a CRM system. And what sets them apart is really the depth and breadth of the, the solution. So back to the Salesforce example, how, how well can they integrate with other things? What, how many functions can you house within the one system? How easy can you make it? How customizable can you make it? Things like that will differentiate the different solutions. And, uh, I've uh, again, we've used them full disclosure. You know, we're fairly active with Salesforce and, you know, it's as relevant for a small team or a small organization as it is the largest of the enterprises. And, and it's by, I mean, by different tiers that they allow access to depth of functionality and you want to do more, you want additional modules, obviously a SaaS based model, you pay for more though, for, for those. How my question of you is how easy or challenging is it to move from one version of their platform to another? So if I've outgrown some of my functionality and I want to upgrade or let's go the other way, I'm not using some of this functionality. I want to downgrade. 
How easy is that migration up or down? Up is easier than down. Most uh, CRM systems and sales organizations, they aren't going to want to downgrade you because then that potentially is loss of revenue there. You want to pay less because you're not using as many features. So up is definitely easier than down. Salesforce does make it relatively seamless to add end users, to add extra modules, to install packages. Uh, packages are like apps within the, the broader system. And so the end user can do all of that on their own and they can manage that on their own. They don't have to reach out to a salesperson unless they're needing to add, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 seats. And they're wanting like a bulk discount on those sort of uh, purchases. But overall, you can do most of those things by yourself. Other solutions like HubSpot or Sugar CRM, they have a package that you buy and those are the features and functionalities that you have and you can upgrade, but it then kind of becomes clunky because you're kind of duct taping those solutions on. Got it. And so, so with your conversations, how have you found the best way to create adoption and engagement? Because if people aren't using the system and engaging with the system, then there, it's going to become a job. So how do you find it best to get engagement and adoption from a sales organization? Great question. I often coach uh, teams and leaders is you, you have to fundamentally start with the why, right? So whether you're a new leader in a function or as we're going to talk about pushing restart, you've got to really establish and I often say appeal to their logical self-interest. Let, let's, let's keep this very simple. Sales professionals I know sell that which they understand, sell that which they can articulate, and sell that which they can make money on. Mm -hmm. Any tool, any enabler you bring along that makes those three critical points, do I get it? Do I get our products? Do I get our value proposition? Do I get the problems we solve? Can I articulate it? How well can I articulate it? How well, how comfortable do I feel quick on my feet if that prospective client or existing client asks a question that I may not have the answer to, can I quickly find that information? And then candidly, can I make money? That, that's you, you want financially motivated sales professionals, right? Yes. So anything that will enable, enhance, amplify those three critical elements is welcomed. But you have to start with the why. As a leader, tell me why we're doing this. Tell me why. The specific behaviors, this is a cultural shift. The behaviors you need me to interact with the CRM is critical, first and foremost to me. I appreciate the need that you have for dashboards and reportings and leadership and all that, but I'm not you. I don't get paid your comp. That doesn't relate to me. So relate to me first and foremost. Number two is simple, easy, fast. I learned that from another friend. Jennifer Bridges, make it simple to understand, easy to internalize, fast to apply. So if you ask me to do 75 things in any CRM environment, you're going to lose me at hello. Conversely, if you give me a cheat sheet of the 10 things you want me to focus on, create accounts, create contacts, create leads, you know, integrate your email with it so we can see the next touches, capture your next steps, Follow the sales methodology that we've embraced as a team and move your opportunities along that, that methodology. 
Now you've got me engaged. Now you've got me. I've got a checklist of the things you want me to do. Last but not least, enable me. Sh give me the training. Don't just, and, and we're doing this, some of this for, for the audience inside our own team, right? Mm -hmm. So not only why we should use this platform, here's how we're going to use it. And let's schedule a series of, of, of training sessions. Jen, one last um, bonus. I love carrots. So I've, I've worked, we've worked with clients that dangle an iPad for individuals who embrace this really effectively in the next month. They've, they've created gamification with leaderboards of who's captured and who's done this well. So there's all kinds of other ways that you can create that enablement. Focus. Focus on the why. Focus on doing less, but doing those exceptionally well. And then really help me get ramped up. And not just with the initial excitement, but an ongoing usage. Does that make sense? Does that resonate? That does. And, and the, the carrots do work. I've employed them with many sales teams and they get into it. And then it's like, everybody loves leaderboards. They all want to be at the top of the leaderboard. So even if you take away the carrot, like somebody does win the iPad or whatever it is, that leaderboard, they've now ingrained it. They want to be the best on their team or in their pod or however they're structured. They, they love being on top. Everybody loves being at the top of the leaderboard. Listen, let's let's be honest. There's a reason some of us go to Soul Cycle or you know, we get on <laughs> Pelotons. It is that leaderboard, particularly as sales professionals, you're so competitive that yes. I want to make sure that I'm doing what I'm being asked. I genuinely believe that. Most people want to comply. If you if you make me eat like this <laughs> or make it too complex or I'm jumping through hoops, by the way, I've got a job to do and it isn't data entry. Yes. So when I say keep keep it tight and really help me do my job, do it well, but also make it fun, make it engaging, goes a long way, right? And, um, and also, I mean, leaderboards hold you accountable, not only to yourself, but to others. And so you can see how everybody is doing and how you rank against them. And most people have some level of competitiveness in them. They don't want to be at the bottom, so they're going to do whatever they can do to not be at the bottom. But somebody inevitably has to be there, so everybody's working to just not be at the bottom. <laughs> I love that. We've got a. We've got a. Uh, I apologize. I don't know that the the exact name, but we got a LinkedIn users jumped in. So appreciate it. The wisdom shared. Start with the why. That is so important. Help connect the dots. Remember, I love that. Clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. <laughs> That's exactly. very true. With any kind of implementation of a of a CRM, any implementation of technology for that matter. Keep it simple. Uh, Jen and I chuckle about this all the time. Most users don't want to know everything the admin knows, right? You're talking about the fifth, the eight rungs in the ladder. I'm still trying to figure out what the ladder is and what is it used for and what is it you want me to do with the ladder. So if you think about really simple platforms like you know, quicken. You hate to say they're idiot proof, but this it's icons and it's steps and click here, go here, do this. And those are just intentionally not to belittle anyone, but just make the leap, make the adoption easier. Uh, but as, as our LinkedIn user mentioned, if you start with the why, if you really help me understand the 10 things you want me to do, the five things you want me to do. And I like cheat sheets. I like laminated cards. I like, 
you know, buttons and stickers and things that just make it simple, then I'm much more likely to come along. Well, and, so, and to that point, everybody within our team, NOR group, knows that I love my documentation. And documentation is usually the last thing any organization is thinking of. But it really does help with that training and enablement. It helps shorten your onboarding period because people have a way to find their own answers and not have to wait for others. So absolutely keep it simple, straightforward pictures. If somebody's walking through Salesforce, click here, circle this one, two, three, there you go. Documentation is absolutely key. And, and our team, NOR group loves loves hates maybe hearing me say we need documentation. Uh, and so it's, it's one of those intentionally pur purposeful things that I create for every organization that we work in. And just to build on that and kudos to you. I, I love the pictures. I like the screenshots. I like the arrows, like go here and click this. And here's the three things you want to do here. And again, we, we all learn very differently as adult learners some are going to be text-based and I, you know, let me read that and, and I'll take the time to read it and I can follow. Others are going to be a lot more visual others yet learn by doing. So again, really think of the broader audience that you're trying to engage. So Jen, I'm going to go to you next and really ask three best practices. I know you've got a whole list of them, but let's just focus on three best practices in initially setting up a optimize CRM environment. Now, and I realize a lot of our clients may already, they probably are very much enthralled in that. But you and I, you know, we're working on a couple of client engagements where we have a chance to really start with a clean slate or go in and I, I love the executives. If you need to push restart and we need a new instance of it, you can do that as well. So talk about some, you know, three best practices in setting up an operationally efficient CRM system. Every, every CRM system and organization is different. So how they're structured is, is going to be different at the end. But to optimize it from the get-go, to your point, keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate things. And don't create – one of the keys is don't create a whole bunch of fields that need to be populated manually identify the key pieces of information that everyone in the organization needs to use, phone number, email, last name, first name, those things, and make sure those are required fields. One of the biggest things that I see going into most organizations is they don't have those key fields set as required. So then they have data and records in their system that are missing some of these critical pieces. And then that creates junk in their system and records that can never be used. So absolutely critical. Decide on your, your foundational data points and make them required would be the first thing. The second thing would be create fields and define their purpose. Don't try and create one field and have it do or mean four different things. If the field is needed, define its purpose. Use the description notes and the help text within the back end to communicate to others what that field is and why it's there. And then the third one that we just talked about would be documentation to understand how the systems work, how it's set up. And I'm going to throw a fourth one in there is actually to have a conversation with the end user. 
what do they need to see at what points in their journey? The salesperson is going to need to see different things than the marketing person is. And so customize it for the end user that's going to be using it. So I would say those are probably the four foundational things that need to be set. It's a great list. And and uh, for our audience, if you just joined us, we're talking about CRM as the central hub in this customer life cycle kind of maturity, if you will. And Jen, um, is, uh, on, the, on your last point, I appreciate you getting a bonus one in there real quick. Uh, are you surprised of how many organizations roll out a platform, an ecosystem like the CRM without really paying attention to the unique or maybe personalizing, customizing the unique needs of different user types? It is more common than I'd like to find. Most organizations that I've come into to help, they do have one profile. A person's in sales, sales is sales. But that's not really true. There's sales solutions engineers, there's customer success, there's BDRs, ISRs, all of those people. They all have different functions. They all need to see different pieces of that customer's profile. And so bucketing them in this large bucket of sales or large bucket of marketing really does nobody justice. And you're creating steps for them to have to dig, scroll down the the page to see the detail that they're actually needing to get to. Whereas if you just take the time to customize it based on who they are, they can be much more efficient in their job and they may adopt using the CRM more because they can find information so easy. So take the barriers out if they don't need to be there. Got it. Got it. So where in your conversations with CROs and executives and CEOs, where have you seen CRM systems fall short and be less than relevant within the organization? Yeah, it's a great question. Let me, let me give you and the audience three scenarios to kind of think about and ponder. One we already touched on, which is if I get the perception that the data that I have is not accurate or the data is not clean or the data needs hygiene or the data doesn't really reflect kind of me, my team, my organization's efforts and the impact we're trying to create, it becomes increasingly less relevant. So that data hygiene, and I really appreciate your lens and your comment on, on how you and your team really focus on data hygiene, not as an event, but as an ongoing kind of campaign to dedupe and make sure those fields are complete. And you bring in multiple data source to really enrich that, that profile, if you will. So the, the cleansiness, the accuracy, that data hygiene is number one. Number two is most organizations have some sort of a sales methodology. If you think of that as the process, right? Medic, solution selling, complex sales. I mean, I've been through nine, 10 different ones. Fant, yeah. Right? I'm in different which ones. We're, we're agnostic, but pick one. <laughs> and, and really customize that to your own. And you have to make sure that the process, the training, the development of your talent actually matches the technology, matches the platform. So if it's this stage in the sales methodology, that should be the stage that I see in my opportunity you know, pipeline and in my opportunity progression, if you will. So if there's misalignment, 
between, and again, when we go in, we look at processes, capabilities, and technology. Yes. If there's misalignment between the sales methodology and the technology, you're going to create confusion. And this is a, um, a Donald Miller uh, statement. If you confuse, you lose. If you confuse that sales force on what should I be entering? Where is this? How does this work? You're not going to be less relevant. The third one is, again, right up your alley, which is disparate data, disconnected data. I got to go one place to do one thing. Then I got to come somewhere else to do something else. And if it's not integrated, you're adding to my plate. And this is, Jen, something that unfortunately a lot of people who are not in sales don't realize is that there's an operational efficiency component with world-class sales individuals, teams, and organizations. There's 168 hours in every week. I've been looking for 169 for a while. Haven't found it yet. Presumably, you got to sleep at some point. You got to eat at some point. You want to spend some time with family and loved ones. So increasingly, the time that I have for work, meaningful work, is being condensed. So the time that I spend with that CRM has to be optimized, has to be efficient, has to be you know, mobile enabled. I, I'm not going to be tethered to my desk. So as I'm moving in about, and pre-pandemic, we used to get in these things called airplanes. And right, so, <laughs> so as I travel and as I'm in my car, and I don't want to be fumbling looking for the stuff. So if the system doesn't work the way I work, or if I can't get the information that I need, and this is key, at the time of my choosing, and on the device of my choice, mm -hmm. then it's going to become increasingly less relevant. So do I believe in the data, data hygiene? Is my sales methodology, sales process aligned with the technology? And does it work? Does it really enable my success in my sales efficiency and effectiveness? If not, if those three things aren't in place, you're going to continue to struggle and, and, see, and make sure it's relevant. Well, any, com any comments on those? Yeah, on your last point, if it's difficult, so the, the platform that they're choosing and the device that they're choosing, if that if you don't make it easy for them to use your system of choice, they will find other ways to get it done. I We have walked into several organizations where the process, the written trained process is use Salesforce, but then you go and talk and interview some of the, the team members and you ask, well, how are you tracking your pipeline? Or what's your forecast number look like? You pull it up in Salesforce, it's one number. And they're like, no, no, I don't use that. I use a spreadsheet. And then they pull up this like massive spreadsheet that they've created on their own, but it makes total sense to them. And when we ask, well, why isn't any of that in Salesforce? Well, it's too difficult. I can't, there aren't the fields that I need. It would take too much time. It's data entry that we've already talked about. Like they will find a way around it. Just like water, it finds the, the easiest path down. The, it's all salespeople will also find the easiest way to get their job done. And it's to no fault of their own, but that comes back to an ops and a leadership perspective. You've got to make your systems work for your people, not your people work on your systems. I appreciate Anthony jumping in. Data hygiene within CRM is key point is exactly right. So it's not an event, it's an ongoing. And if, if the users, if the leadership doesn't, believe in that in the in the accuracy in the quality of that data you're going to start to see again utilization belief in it 
And Jen and I were talking to a client the other day. We look at their CRM system. Jen, what was it like? Six hundred thousand leads in there. Yes. That 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 is just not being touched. That are not being really worked. That and shoving more in there isn't the answer, right? How do we go and make sure that information is clean? By the way, for our audience, I'm pretty sure we found a Fortune ten company in yes, those leads. That and that, and a couple Fortune five hundreds in there too. That nobody's really working and nobody's paying attention to and nobody's right. And this client is trying to grow, you know, really aggressively. And again, we're not paying attention to that. So, Jen, so you talked about best practices for our audience, right? Um, Really the foundational data fields, make those required, create fields, define their purpose, documentation. And Jen, make sure you got your money's worth with the bonus of, conversation with the end users and make it profile centric. I'm going to ask you to flip the coin. What are the top three big pitfalls in CRM configurations that you've walked into and you, you kind of see it and it gives you that horror kind of feeling of, Oh my God, what am I, what am I looking at here exactly? Or is this, is this, is, could this be true? So what are some of those pitfalls? That's a very good question. One of the biggest pitfalls that I've seen repeated across many organizations is twofold. One, everybody's set up as an admin and they have elevated permissions that allow them to do things well beyond what their actual role is. And that creates questions in the data validity. Any, it like, it just, rocks the whole foundation. So number of admins is is really critical and, and you should not have more than necessary. And most of them should be within your ops organization. The other one on that same front is having the same profile and level of permissions for everybody. That that doesn't work. That goes back to my, my previous uh, points to personalize and customize it based on the user. If everybody has the same profile, it limits the number of dashboards you can create based on user roles or based on profiles. It will also eventually cascade down into hierarchy within the in the CRM. So those two are very big ones and critical ones. Um, configuration, other configuration, uh, the passwords and how the system is structured and access to it. If you have your controls super loose that somebody could sign into their system and close their computer, go somewhere else and never have to sign in again, that's that's a security issue. But on the other side of that, if you make them sign in every 15 minutes, again, sales is not gonna wanna do that. They'll pull up a spreadsheet that's gonna stay open all day and just do their work from there. <laughs> And then outside of that, I would say overcomplicating things, trying to create workflows and processes that should run in the background, but because there are so many, they they take too long to run. And then it starts interrupting the end user's work. So salesperson comes in trying to update the record, they hit save, they get an error message saying, nope, so-and-so is running a process in the background, you can't save this right now they're going to lose all that work again, get frustrated with the system and then not want to do it and go back to their spreadsheets. (laughs) The other thing you and I've seen is employees who leave the organization and listen, churn, churn is, is just nature of the business, right? And they still have access to that database 
you know, yep. days and weeks and months later. And you're like, where's the security protocol? Where's the, right? But yeah, so setting up as admin, uh, it sounds like what you're trying to do or what you're trying to avoid is you got to avoid friction. You got to avoid that sales professional, like I said, enabler of my success, not inhibitor of it. Yes. So if you make me jump through a bunch of hoops to give you data and capture the data and make that data useful, it's no longer an enabler of what I'm trying to do. It's you're now holding me back. You become an anchor that I just, or shackles that I'm trying to get rid of and going to do my job. And the job that I signed up for wasn't data entry, wasn't keeping up with multiple system, nothing more aggravating than just entering a bunch of nodes. You go to save it. And for whatever reason, it doesn't save, right? Yes. So, so on that note, like what advice would you give, give some of your executive coaching clients on how to amplify the value that they see in their existing CRM? So you have to, as I said earlier, most of the technology work that we do, certainly Jen and our team is focused on operational efficiency of the technology. I look at it from the cultural shift. I look at it from a cultural change. Digital transformation is as much about cultural transformation as anything. So you can't expect the outcomes you're after if you don't inspect the inputs that go in. So in your interview process, do you ask them about their utilization of processes, right? Capabilities and tools. Is if, if you're a Salesforce shop, do you ask about how they've used or what they get, you know, how they've gotten, or do you ask for a sample report of their current Salesforce environment? Again, culturally in how you hire, in your onboarding. We've all met sales enablement. We all have a lot of friends that are fantastic sales enablement professionals. They'll work on the BDR script. They'll work on, you know, assets in, you know, handouts and PDFs and all that. How about the Salesforce training? How about the enabling them to really do those 10 things on a laminated card that should come with a box of swag? Again, that's an example of enabling the culture to understand this isn't optional. This is not, well, maybe kind of if at some point I get to it, this is part of what we do and how we do it daily. And then really coaching. That's the last one. Coaching formally and formally mentoring by through the systems. So I could have a conversation with Joe, my sales rep, or I could say, hey, can we jump on a quick Zoom? And I want you to now bring up the Salesforce. Again, we do this as the NOR Group team, right? Let Bring up that account. Show me that contact. Let's go through that. How did that go? And by the way, do you have the channel partner that brought you in? And by the way, I don't see the next step. Were you able to capture the next step? So coaching the team through the environment, I've seen work really well in helping them understand if I, and, and there's, there's gotta be some, there's always, there's always individuals that if I ignore this long enough, it's going to go away. And you have to be the antithesis to that. You have to really set the stage. This is cultural. We're a Salesforce shop as an example Two, we're going to do everything in our power to enable you, empower you, show you, train you, develop you and how to use it. So you realize that investment in you, in your growth, and to continue that, coaching, mentoring, ongoing conversations, 
Let's go. Don't ask them to send you a spreadsheet. Hey, let's go on Salesforce, generate a report, send me that, share that. And what happens is you start to integrate in the culture. What have you found along those lines? What do you think works in? And Jen, I'm really curious beyond the initial excitement of, hey, we got a new shiny toy. How do you make sure that implementation lasts and it really becomes impactful in the long tail value of it? Yeah, to go back to one of your points about uh, training and enablement and making the cultural shift, it that cultural shift needs to be top down, bottoms up, side to side, like everybody needs to do it. So focusing on like data hygiene, just for a second, our team believes data hygiene is everybody's job. And so if the CFO is in the system, he should know how to go in and update a name, maybe we've got Robert and they prefer Bob. And if there's not a field for preferred name, just update it to say Bob. So then we're addressing the and the customer or prospect, how they want to be addressed. But it shouldn't be, oh, that's the ops job or that's so-and-so's job or data entry is not my thing. It's really everybody's job. If you see something wrong, there's more of them than of your ops team, just help out. If everybody makes small little changes over time, like then the database just gets cleaner. So that's, that's one piece of it is that the cultural shift needs to be across the board. Everybody should be willing and know how to jump in. The other piece to that would to make a CRM system sticky is to have continual conversations, create that feedback loop to get insights. Is this working for you? Is this not? Are there ways that we could make this easier? And as an ops team to have that focus be on removing roadblocks. So maybe there is a workflow that's absolutely critical, but it keeps getting in the way of saving profiles. Make it run overnight based on where everybody's located, or maybe there are too many fields. Simplify it. See if you can plug in an enrichment solution that can support some of that data so it reduces the amount of data entry that the salesperson needs to do. But the only way you find those is by having conversations with the end users who are in it every day. Go talk to the marketing person, go talk to several salespeople, see what's working, see what's not. Look at the reports. And if you see somebody always lagging towards the bottom of the leaderboard, that could be an indication that they don't know how to use the system. They're having trouble with the system. They're doing something outside of what they should be doing. Go have a conversation and, and everybody like approach everybody with best intention. But just go ask the question, how can we help you do your job better? How can we help you use the system? Is it, are you having problems with it? Any of those things, just, just go with a sort of open-mindedness and not accusatory at all. And just go ask the questions and have the conversation to understand, ask, ask questions to understand. I love that. And I think the other thing I've liked is uh, I like those brown bag luncheons you put on where you know, again, pre-pandemic, it was in person, you know, post-pandemic, it's Friday, kind of ask me anything, come to an hour, bring your lunch, and let's just talk through. Talk through what questions you have of where do I go and how do I get this and how do I pull that report? How do I make this change? Where does that come from? So almost like I'm reminded of our maybe undergrad or grad school professors who had office hours, right? Creating office hours with admins that help you really get most out of system sense to go tends to go a long way. Well, go ahead. Sorry. One other thing that really helps is, is find the super users within the various groups. So, 
you have an ops team that's responsible for it, but every every organization has those people that are in other roles, but they love technology, like a salesperson that's loves Excel spreadsheets, or they love doing dashboarding, or they they nerd out on the visualization of reports. Like find those super users and then get them to be your internal champions within sales, within marketing. And so then you're sort of amplifying your reach as an ops organization or an ops function. And those people become knowledge base for the sales organization. So maybe you don't, they become your first line of defense. So they're not always coming to ops or bogged down on, well, ops never answers me. Like go ask that guy because he's really good at it. And they can also help with the training and enablement of new people. And so find your champions. And they're seen as peers, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that's another sales rep. And if he can do it, so can I. I'm just going to go sit next to him and watch him and see what he does and how he does it. And uh, and it becomes you know, prevalent in raising the bar on how everybody uses it. So for our audience, I know you and your team do this RevOps baseline audit. Um, what do you look for as you go in in a CRM configuration? So we've just been engaged. We're working with a team on their RevOps, and specifically you're focused on CRM. What, what are some of the things you're looking for as a kind of as in your analysis of their of their environment? So one of the first things that we look for when we go into an organization, specifically within Salesforce, so when we walk into an organization that's a Salesforce shop, there's a really cool function within the admin panel that's a health check. And it gives you red, yellow, green on all of the crit critical integrations, passwords, login, logout, SSO, all of those things. It quickly identifies Here's how the settings are configured. Here's our recommended recommended settings. And then it gives you a score, one to 100, and it's a percentage. And so then you can very quickly go in and toggle things on, toggle things off. And so making sure that just foundation is set right. The other thing that we go in and look at is like the baseline entitlements, which is user permissions, profile, role, things like that to make sure that people have what they need and there's that consistency from the user aspect. And then beyond that, we, we dig into the data. How many records do we have? How complete are they? What sources are they coming from? Things like, things along that line. So we understand what the salespeople are working with and where the holes may actually be. And then the last piece of that is actually to have a conversation again with the end users of what are you needing? This is this is what we're seeing in the system, but what is it that you're actually needing? And if what you're needing isn't in the system, how are you finding it? And so then find a way to plug in whatever they're using into the system so then everybody else can also use it. For our audience, if you've joined us late, you've been listening to Jen Cords. My name is David Knorr. We're with the Knorr Group. And the focus of this session and the RevOps uh, podcast and these live streams are to really shine light on different facets of this customer lifecycle journey and a maturity model we've built on what world-class organizations do and not just creating awareness and engagement and leading up to the sale, but then how do you really build adoption and advocacy and really create value and impact for that end customer to want to come back? And not just renew a recurring revenue model, an ARR model, but also upsell and cross-sell opportunities. So we're live each Tuesday at 11 o'clock Eastern. This session has been focused on CRM 
as really that central hub to that life cycle journey. I hope you'll continue to come back and join us in our upcoming episode. We're going to highlight several really bright CMOs and CROs we've met who get RevOps and understand really the strategic value. We'll also do more of this type of back and forth on everything from email marketing to outreach to how do you really integrate a holistic system for that really 360 degree view of that customer from when they're prospects to when they become customers after they buy and hopefully in their adoption and deepening, if not broadening the relationship with, with you and your organization. So on behalf of Jen Courts, I'm David North. Thanks for joining us. Again, hope you'll come back every Tuesday, 11 o'clock Eastern. We're live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Thanks, everybody. All the best. See you next time.